Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Cam Clutter, and I'm not Amanda Miller, but we are still so excited to have you in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our local and live morning show. Amanda's actually on her way down to Birmingham this morning for the EWTN radio conference. So safe travels to Amanda and Bill and blessings over the EWTN conference. Today is the feast day of St. Ignatius of Antioch, and we have a big show lined up for you today in just a few minutes. We'll be joined by Dr. Marlon Della Torre as we continue our conversation on the Beatitudes. Today, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Then coming up at 8.30, Bishop Fernandez will join us in the cafe to talk about the day of prayer, penance, and fasting for the Holy Land, which the USCCB has designated for today. We'll also chat about a few upcoming events in the diocese and discuss the moral implications contained in Issue 1. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning, Dave. (laughs) Would you start us in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for waking us all up this morning, for walking with us as the sun rises. So, Lord, do you rise in our hearts, and we are grateful to be able to rise with you this morning and every morning. We pray that this morning in particular that you would speak to us today that you would walk with us, that you would draw us all closer to your heart, draw us closer to sainthood, which is what we're all called to. And Mother Mary, we entrust that mission in us to you, that you as our mother get to guide us closer by the hand to your son. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our baristo has the mic on all day today. Isn't that exciting? It is exciting. It is exciting. I don't think we've ever properly introduced you to our friends. Nor do I think we've ever explained what a baristo actually is. I hope it's like apparent to people that if it's the cafe, that I'm the guy who who runs the show behind the scenes. But, you know. It's the masculine of barista. We had to look it up like the day before our first day on air. (laughs) Right. I thought I may have invented a word, but it actually exists so and we've also referred to you as our bro easto play on words you know a little because we're playful here in the cafe our uh, station engineer often just replaces it with other words entirely he'll call me a potato sometimes or a (laughs) brotato or you know similar words that that uh you know sound like baristo so so who is cameron clutter a child of god Amen. First and foremost, and I and I hope that everyone identifies that way first, um, because it's the most important identity we could ever have. Um, but True. besides that, I am a uh, producer here at St. Gabriel Radio of this very show, the St. Gabriel Cafe. I love it. It's a lot of fun to work with our cafe team every day to bring this show live to your airwaves. Um and especially the live portions, like 
particularly my favorite part of it, that when eight o'clock hits, our mics turn on, you know? (laughs) And so we get to journey with all of you, our friends, every single morning into sainthood. And that's just a blast for me to put together every day. Besides that, I am a husband to my wonderful wife. If you've met her, she's cooler than me. I tell that to just about everybody. I'm also the father to my wonderful daughter, who's cooler than both of us. She's about (laughs) six months old at this point and very mobile um, for all of the parents who are listening. She loves to roll to every side of the room and, and grab anything she can at this point. She gets up on her hands and knees, but she's not quite like fully crawling yet. Mm. Great time to start a morning show huh? with a new Seriously. baby. Seriously, Yeah, no, when we <laughs> launched, she was, what, four months old at that point? And so, yeah, the lack of sleep and things like that um, don't help with, with a, a morning show. Luckily, we're not like sunrise, 6 a.m. morning show. More power to them. Love what they do. I don't need to be up that early. <laughs> I don't think any of us do. Eight o'clock is a good time. Eight o'clock is a great time for us to do this. Uh, where are you from? I'm from here in Columbus. I, I Well, actually, so I was born in North Carolina, and I lived there for the first six months of my life, and then I moved to Ohio, and I've never been back. Um, so I consider myself pretty much an Ohio native. All of my memories are here. Um, I grew up on the east side of town in Gahanna area. I was a parishioner at St. Pat's for a long time. Still love St. Patrick's. Go there quite often. But now my wife and I live over in Hilliard. We're parishioners at St. Brendan's Catholic Church off of Davidson Road. Shout out to the Dolphins. And we love it there. And you're a very recent graduate of... The Ohio Dominican <laughs> University, not Ohio State. Ohio Dominican, go Panthers. I was a theology major and loved the faith so much that I decided when I got to college I couldn't study anything else, so I studied Jesus. I love talking about him. Um, made my way through college in the podcast world, actually, so that's kind of where my audio background came from. And it was the Monday of my finals week that Dave called me and said, are you looking for a job? And I said, indeed, sir, I am. <laughs> and, and the rest is history. So I started here at St. Gabriel back in January and really spent from about January onward prepping for the morning show, the St. Gabriel Cafe here. And uh, I also run the station's social media. So if you see our birthday posts with the party hats, that's my doing. Um, the very first one was Dave's. I still think about the priceless reaction that I got from him when he woke up and recognized on Facebook his own face with a <laughs> clip art party hat on. Right. Um, and then it was a matter of, you know, once I did it for one person, I kind of had to do it for all of them, including myself at the beginning of the month. Um, I turned 25 years old and I had to make my own birthday party hat post with lots of streamers and things like that. Now, our friends... Only get to see a well-polished, choreographed, beautifully produced cafe show. They don't see everything that happens behind the scenes, how the sausage is made, so to speak. <laughs> but a lot of work goes into into pr- producing. It's just not between 8 and 9 o'clock. What else, what else happens, Cam? A lot of phone calls, emails, you know, networking, things like that. It's not like... Um, I mean, by the grace of God, we call people and and our friends here in the Diocese of Columbus, all of you, are so 
gracious to respond when we reach out and um, are just chasing the stories that the Lord wants to tell here on the radio. And I'm blessed to be a part of that and just like have been wowed at times by how the Lord has provided the right people, the right conversations, the right topics, sometimes wildly different than we thought they were going to be um, even the day before sometimes, (laughs) but how exciting it's been to just let him take the reins. and, And even though I'm the producer and it's my job to make sure it happens, I, I give all you know credit to the Lord for how much He puts people in the chair, how the conversations go, um, and then my day otherwise is just filled with phone calls, more scheduling phone calls. emails, <laughs> prayer. Lord, help me, or yeah. or Lord, what do you want to talk about on this on this specific today? And and today, for example, you know, we're talking about the Beatitudes with Dr. Marlin. We've been doing that for the last several weeks following that train through the Beatitudes and, and really talking about what it means to live a Christian life. And the Beatitudes is a map for that. Mm-hmm. And that's a good summary, actually, of the cafe and what we're trying to express to our friends is uh, the beauty, the challenges, um, the excitement, the adventure of, of living the Christian life. And it's expressed in so many ways here in the diocese through so many different lives. And, and, and those are the stories that we want to bring all of you each, each weekday morning uh, here in the cafe to, to let you know that a faithful Christian life is possible and it's glorious and it's fun and it's full of adventure. So amen. thank you to everyone that is a part of this show. We're going to bring Dr. Marlon Delatore on here in just a moment. Your mugs are probably still full, but if by chance you haven't filled it yet, take this opportunity. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with Dr. Marlon Delatore. Stay with us. Prayer and devotion to the holy face of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, in presenting ourselves before thine adorable face, to ask of thee the graces of which we stand most in need, we beseech thee, above all, to grant us that interior disposition of never refusing at any time to do what thou requirest of us by thy holy commandments and divine inspirations. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of honesty is seen in Saint Stephen. He lived honesty heroically by being truthful and open about his belief in Christ. He challenged the religious leaders of the synagogue to be honest with themselves about their need for conversion. He spoke the truth to them, full of the Holy Spirit, but they rejected it and put Stephen to death. His honesty brought him the great grace of becoming the first martyr. Let us ask St. Stephen to pray for us, that we too may grow in honesty. 
educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Cam Clutter. And joining us on the phone is Dr. Marlon Delatore, our special Tuesday morning friend. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Cam. How are you both? Wonderful. Did you know you're the opening act for the bishop this morning? No, I did not. (laughs) Yeah, we have a great, great morning lined up uh, with you, continuing our series on the Beatitudes, and then Bishop Fernandez will be with us here uh, around 8.30. But today we're on the fourth Beatitude. Mm -hmm. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, some translations I see justice swapped out for righteousness. Sure, sure. You, you know, it's, there's a, um, sometimes this particular beatitude gets a little bit misinterpreted in terms of the of a call and a direction. And for our listeners, as we do, as we've done for the last four weeks, is the beatitudes are a call towards salvation. And, and this is really the heart of Jesus' preaching, and the fact that he's literally introducing us to the path to heaven. That, that heaven awaits us because that is our longing and that is our, our desire as, as human beings. And so through our struggles, through our sin, through the calamity of life, uh, we look towards this particular call, this beatitudinal identity that we possess as children of God that, that Jesus zeroes in on and really asks us, Lord, this is my desire for you, this eternal happiness for heaven. So when we look at this particular beatitude, really this is a, a very significant call to share and proclaim the gospel of our Lord. And so this particular beatitude where it says, the whole issue of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, really, uh, there's a sense of both urgency and calm at the same time where we're called to not only live out the gospel, but to spread it to others. So this becomes a significant task for us in this particular element of the beatitude, where we're called to not only live and demonstrate how to live uh, the Word of God, how to live actively in this world, but also share it with others, because we earnestly desire for someone to know Jesus Christ. What is the, I guess, our part in in, in this action towards heaven when it, when it comes, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of the word justice. I mean, yeah. um, I and mean, we hunger and thirst for it, but what's our role in actually bringing justice to the world? Well, first and foremost, uh, the root of justice, if you, if you look at the cardinal virtue in and of itself, it's basically to be, uh, first and foremost, uh, a particular child of God. What I mean particularly means is that we exude Christ crucified. And so justice uh, does not have any merit uh, unless you are actually living out this particular gospel of life uh, discourse. And what I mean by that is the fact that you recognize the dignity of the human person, that you reflect that you are of self-worth, that you have worth, and that your knowledge really comes from what is given to you by God, and that you freely embrace that knowledge and desire to grow and mature in it. So this issue of justice really has to be, first and foremost, uh, uh, possess a, a distinctive Christian anthropology. Without that idea, without that understanding, then justice becomes pointless. There's no anchor towards Christ. And so when you look at the root of justice with the beatitude to seek what is righteous, it means that we are earnestly desiring, we are, we are desperate 
for that person to see who God is through His Son. We want Him to hear this message and to see how can this message be lived out? What are we supposed to do practically speaking in sharing the faith with our neighbor and serving those who are in need, both spiritually and physically, and exercising, say, the works of mercy, both spiritual and corporal, or plain and simply, interceding for somebody. So these are all really elements tied to the proclamation of the gospel and the desire for someone to not only live the gospel of our Lord, but also share and spread the good news, which is basically God awaits us. He's awaiting for us to say yes to Him and to be in heaven with Him. And I imagine, Dr. Marlin, that it's sometimes that that almost like a virtue of wanting to want it, right? I, I don't imagine everybody always has this like underlying feeling or pull for for justice for things that they might not uh, might not affect them directly. I imagine, especially here in America, that that seems to be something that I encounter a lot in a lot of the people that I interact with. But the challenge, perhaps, to the Christian is to want to want that justice, to want to want that righteousness. And especially I think of that language when I think of the words like hunger and thirst of this, like this pining, this yearning. It's not just Mm. like a, yeah, that would be nice, Mm -hmm. but this like, please Lord. Ah, you know? (laughs) Oh, I hear you. You know, it's, it's, it's the the way, the way of the cross is not something that is, is painted with, uh, with, uh, beautiful, joyous, um, the flowers and clouds and uh, a joy of faith, so to speak. The way of the cross really, and really it's the parallel to the Beatitudes, is, is our challenge to, to invoke something that is beyond us, and that we seek something that is greater than our own sin. And so the, the challenge is, is really um, somewhat uh, <clears throat> daunting if we don't put it in the proper perspective that, that heaven awaits, and which is the beauty of this Beatitude. And uh, sometimes we may ignore that completely and say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm ready for this, nor do I want this now. I'm perfectly content with serving myself, or I'm perfectly happy with um, receiving the goods of life, the goods of, of, of the earth around me, the goods of my society. And sometimes we lose focus or completely devote ourselves of, of God. And so it, it can be a challenge, and it really it's part of this human drama of seeking grace over sin, and really... Christ, when you look at Matthew's Gospel and you see the unveiling of the Beatitudes, it is really a, a choice that if you seek to follow my will, right, this is the, the, the fruits of my will, and they will strengthen you through all the perils of life and the challenges you will face, because without my love and without my life, um, you have nothing in you. And this really, to tie this into, say, the Eucharistic Discourse in John 6, really um, brings to light all right, the Beatitudes and their proclamation to heaven. And so this is just beautiful overplay. But yeah, you do have those challenges. Dr. Marlon Delatore is here with us in the cafe this morning. There's, there's such confusion in our world around identity. Yep. And I think sometimes so many of us think that this is something that's almost given to us. Mm-hmm. from other people or or it can be taken away right um driven by ideologies or or just a cultural identity but when we're talking about identity as children of god this is something that's innate and, and cannot be taken away 
from others. Correct. I, I think the, the, the beauty of how God unveils himself to us is that we are still his children, even though we mature physically. So we never stop being children of God. And that's something when you look at the, <clears throat> excuse me, the material world, and you look at our evolution as human beings, all right, our, 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 the, the, the divine evolution of how God made us, uh, we still retain this identity as his children. Though physically, from a, from a human perspective, we supposedly mature as adults. And so that doesn't change, Dave. Our, our, our true identity is as a child. And God sees us as his children. He does not see us as you and me as grown men or as grown entities. We are his children. And so when you try to somehow manipulate or change that identity and try to present or posit something that is not, quote-unquote, part of the natural discourse that God has given us in, in our own creation as male and, and specifically male and female, then, then you have a friction. You, you have uh, something that's out of balance. And so then you're trying to fill that new identity was something that just doesn't come from God himself. And so we're exercising our, our free will to inflict, unfortunately, more harm than good. And so in order to combat that is we have to go back to the anthropology of us as children. We never stop being his children. That doesn't go away. And so our, our human identity, uh, that is both human and also deistic, meaning that we have a God-like quality because he made us in his image and likeness, that can't change. It will never change. It can never be destroyed because we are his children, and this is what he gives to us. So if we focus on, on that particular language and we tie that in with how we, as um, beatitudinal children, are called to proclaim the gospel, well, we're proclaiming as children, as, as faithful stewards of his word, and that there's a joy, as a child will have a joy in seeing the goodness of his parents or seeing the goodness of things around him or her. Uh, that you want more of that, and you want to share that with somebody. And that's really the childlike quality that our Lord wants us to have. Well, and with that identity in mind, Dr. Marlin, too, recognizing the way God sees us, I, I think it's also probably correct to say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's not righteousness from a human perspective, but more from the divine perspective, from God's perspective, what does God see as just or righteous? And and the distinction I think I'm trying to make too is is when we put ourselves in that identity as a child of God and recognize that we see ourselves the way He sees us. Well, that starts to change what justice is. Justice is giving the other person what they're due. And what the other person is due if they're made in the image and likeness of God isn't some, you know, false dignity, some less than I'm better than you kind of mindset, but it's it's uh, we're all equal in the eyes of God as his children that way. And so then we're all called to to that journey to heaven together. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Cam. I think there's uh, the the idea that a human being can be made in the image and likeness of God and project God, but still retain a human faculty or human condition, is something that um, is both beautiful, uh, majestic, awe-inspiring, and really proves that like, God is the author of life, because we're called to be docile to the Spirit of our Lord. And that docility means as a child, all right, that our identity, our nature cannot change. 
And because our nature and our identity cannot change, because they're, they're both, quote-unquote, united, because they're made by God. So our, our nature comes from our Lord. Our identity comes from Him. So those, those two things are immovable, meaning that they're, they're not changeable. Uh, and so they are particularly conditioned for one purpose and one purpose only, to literally proclaim God's love and in, in that proclamation, or in that charismatic unveiling of the story of salvation, so to speak, um, the path is heaven. And so the, this becomes so unique in, in our ability, whether it's through St. Gabriel Radio, through what I do professionally, um, in, in teaching, in proclaiming the gospel, and evangelizing, whatever the case may be, there is an unchangeable quality that we all possess. And that unchangeable, uh, untarnished gift that he has given us is meant to really uh, express uh, our beatitudinal call and our journey of faith and to share that with others urgently, that you want to tell someone, I earnestly desire for you to listen to what God has to say to us today. And let me read to you what the Gospel of St. Matthew is telling us. Let me just share that with you so you can just ponder that in your heart. Uh, All these things come into play with... uh, this whole uh, symphony of faith. Dr. Marlon Delatory here with us in the cafe. Hey, when you mentioned uh, children and having childlike hearts, I always think uh, back to that expression, you know, as a child, that's not fair, or you're not fair. And that just gets at the desire that children hold so dear is that sense of, of fairness and how sometimes as we get older and, and uh, uh, maybe a little tainted that we lose that desire uh, to see a fair world. Correct. And, you know, I think justice uh, from a theological perspective, justice from, say, a pastoral perspective, um, if we see how God's infinite mercy and how his love for us, um, if we allow that to really penetrate this, this worldly understanding of, of lack of fairness or lack of justice, then we'll see why, how our human condition can sometimes blur God's mercy. Because God's mercy is infinite. Uh, his son died on the cross, um, and he offered his son up to basically save us from our sins. This whole um, rapture of, of his love for us is, is eminent. I mean, St. Paul makes a reference to this in Colossians chapter 3, uh, we see his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, or looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where we're called to be ministers of our Lord, in the name of our Lord. All these things are, are meant to help us understand that, that God is infinitely merciful and will be with you and protect you, and that the, the calamities of the world, that which seems unfair, really does not equate to his infinite mercy and love. So, and it's a challenging thing to really embrace. It's not easy. Um, because our human desires sometimes become our God. And and so we want to deal with the lack of fairness or lack of justice in a human way instead of a divine way. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to look towards that uh, the beauty of the cross and what God offers us through His Son to really put in perspective, you know what, it may be on a human perspective or a human element uh, somewhat unfair, but the reality is that His infinite mercy is far greater than that. Dr. Marlon Delatore is here with us in the cafe. Now, in our homes, and and I'm thinking specifically with teenagers, uh, doctor, where teenagers are, are 
they, they're still holding on to this childlike desire for fairness. And as they're maturing into, into the teen years, young adult years, they start to see the unfairness in, in the world. How, as a parent, can you direct them to have, I guess, that, that view of God on, on what is fair and just not what the world is saying is fair or unfair? You know, there's a lot of conflict, and they, and they see um, or perceive fairness to others. What's the right way to direct them on, on the proper understanding? Does that make it, sense? It does. No, it makes perfect sense, Dave. I, I, <clears throat> when a, a child needs to understand two things, and, so, and this is tantamount for parents, we, we tend to muddle these two points. So there's a distinction between nurturing someone and nourishing someone. And so the parent does both to the child. So nourishment, from the perspective of the child needs to be fed, the child needs to be clothed, uh, they needs to be taught in some ways what is right, what is wrong. So there's a sense of nourishing the child, both physical, emotional, psychological, or protecting the soul of the child. The nurturing component is how the child is able to handle the perils of life through the actions of the parents, uh, dealing with difficulties, dealing with challenges, and this is where that notion of fairness comes into play, or the lack of understanding of what is fair versus what is just, versus what is good versus what is not good, what is bad, uh, evil, etc. And so, for a parent, it's important that you operate from both veins of both nourishing the child, both physically and spiritually, and then nurturing the child on how to uh, really work through these challenges or these difficulties of, of human behavior, both in ourselves and those around us. And so how you handle conflict um, by basically being silent, observing, watching, by watching how the person behaves and not necessarily interacting or having a knee-jerk reaction to respond, but listening intently to what's going on and only responding when necessary, uh, helping the child uh, how to serve someone else in need before themselves. Uh, these become some of the, um, the underpinnings of how to deal with what is perceived as fair versus uh, unfair, or what is just versus unjust. Mm. It's understanding why the person does what he or she does first and foremost, and then literally discerning that, and then from there, doing the right action. Uh, what we tend to do is we tend to tell, parents tend to tell their children, well, that's not fair, so you have to get what's right for you. Well, hold on. But that's the complete opposite of this whole issue of the Beatitude. First and foremost, you're called to, in discernment, observe and watch what is happening. What is the good and what is the evil in, in that particular action? From there, then you're able to see, all right, based on your proper nourishment and nurturing of the soul and your disposition, then you know how to behave and how to engage, whether that is seen as just or unjust. And, and this really is part of that foundation. That foundation cannot occur unless you initiate some sense of prayer and discernment and a daily surrender to the will of God. Because a child from the very beginning needs to be taught this, that there is one, a, a sense of surrender and also a, a sense of obligation. You're not born to be an invalid. You're born to be an open expression of the gospel where you will be vulnerable because you are professing Jesus Christ crucified. And so if the child is taught this from an early, uh, from an early age, an early onset, this notion of fairness from a human perspective will not inundate them. It will mm. not become their, their dogma. It won't become their, their unfortunate demon. Instead, they're going to have a proper frame of mind of why people behave the way they do, 
what is the distinction between good and evil, and how the morality of the human act really is the root of what is fair versus what is unfair. Because now the child understands why behaviors happen, why human beings begin to act in ways that are not proper. Now you have a completely different perspective of what is fair and unfair. And you don't necessarily dive into this notion that, well, I want to get what's mine. So, so my life isn't that unfair or unjust. Love it. Love it. This dovetails really nicely with the beatitude that we'll be discussing next week with you, doctor. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Amen. Amen. Dr. Marlon Delatore, thanks for being with us this morning in the cafe. And we'll speak next Tuesday. God bless. Coming up in just a moment, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez will be with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Jesus had some pretty direct words about the poor. I'll sum them up for you. If you don't serve the poor, you will go to hell. Ouch, that stings. But those aren't my words, so don't kill the messenger. Read Matthew 25. Jesus' entire summary of the final judgment has to do with how we treat those in need. A heart that's unmoved by hunger, nakedness, homelessness, and thirst can't enter the kingdom. Thankfully, it's not too hard to do something about it. Go online and give regularly to your favorite charity that serves the poor. The internet has brought them to your doorstep. Carry gift cards to supermarkets and fast food places to give to the poor in street corners. And if you're able, join a local charity in a hands-on way. Getting to know the poor up close and personal reminds us what's most important in life and what's not. We need the poor more than they need us. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Throughout my career, I have taught in a variety of public and private schools. But before teaching here, I felt the absence of not being in a learning environment rooted in the Catholic faith. I wanted so deeply to share God's love with my students, and He lovingly opened a door for me to do so. I sure do love sharing our Catholic faith with my young men in Spanish. Gloria a Dios. Our Catholic schools are communities of faith and support that are different by design. Find your home here. Learn more at education.columbuscatholic.org.